And welcome back to another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is a podcast where Dan Delzell and myself, Son Edom, we, we talk about the issues that go on in this world through a biblical perspective. Oftentimes we can look at things through a worldly perspective and we might get one interpretation or one meaning or one understanding of something and that might affect us a certain way. And then we might look at it through a biblical perspective and it might affect us a different way, give us a different perspective and, and kind of change our outlook on things. And so we like to take a look at at the, the things of this world through that biblical perspective and, and get a different take on how things are going on in this world. And, and Dan, we've been talking about many different things over the last few weeks. We've been into politics. We've been into theology. We've been into social things as far as things going on between the cultures and, and stuff like that. And so one of the reoccurring issues that seems to be coming up or topics that seems to be coming up both in the political world, also in the, the, the Christian or religion, well, religious world is that of this, uh, transgendered ideology. There seems to be a big push, especially now with a public school elementary level curriculum of transgendered ideology where people want to teach and promote to kindergarten, first, second graders, this transgender ideology that boys aren't boys, girls aren't girls, you can be whatever you want. And I know you wrote an article a couple of years ago talking about this, and it seems to come full circle every few years depending on who's in office. I remember when uh, President Obama was in office and at the time, nobody cared who used what bathrooms. It wasn't an issue. You know, people just generally went to the, the bathrooms that they were maybe assigned to according to their gender, if we can use that. And then all of a sudden it became a big issue as to what bathrooms people use and the whole, you know, bathroom, gender neutral bathrooms, what bathrooms we use and stuff like that kind of blew up. And we're kind of back to that now with this school curriculum stuff that's going on. And so I thought that's something that maybe we can kind of talk about and see why is there an assault on our young people and why is it so important that we put trans ideology, transgendered ideology onto kids as young as kindergarten, first and second grade when they have no idea of even what a sexualized person is. Yeah, you know, son, I'm so glad that you're tackling this issue because it truly is you know, one of the most uh, important issues of our day for the very reason that you just laid out, uh, you know, for the, for the very reason that it's being pushed and pushed and pushed by people who should know better, um, who really should know better, uh, who should be going with science and biology and, and the plain facts according to nature and according to God's creation, male and female, he created them. Um, but instead, what we're, we're finding is that people are, are buying into this just crazy idea that individuals can choose their own gender as though that's a, a, a fluid thing. And, and you know, you, you, you come under some sort of mental oppression regarding um, your gender, whether you're male or female. And so we live in a day where now it's kind of in vogue to just announce that, well, I'm going to, I'm going to be the other gender. Uh, I'm no longer what you've known me as. Uh, I am now this, this other person. I'm going to change my name. I'm going to, you know, change my appearance. I might even change my body, uh, you know, getting surgery, radical surgery. So, you know, we, we've talked before son about how, you know, the dominoes started falling um, back with the sexual, you know, revolution you know, some 
60 years ago. And, you know, the, the, the first domino to fall was just this idea that there was such a thing as free sex, meaning, you know, there, there are no consequences to just, you know, giving, giving yourself over to sexual abandon um, and giving yourself over to all sorts of, of sexual pleasure and, and fornication and promiscuity. Um, and that, you know, there's no problem with that. And then, and then, you know, people started to see that, well, maybe there is a problem. I mean, we don't like these, you know, STDs, these sexually transmitted diseases that are now, you know, spreading everywhere. Um, we don't like the, the broken hearts that are being left in the wake of this type of life. I mean, find one person, for example, son, who has bought into the, the narrative that, uh, let's say adultery, for example, um, uh, or even sex before marriage, that, it, that it's all it's cracked up to be. And what you find are broken lives, lives that, that were inflamed momentarily, uh, as any of us uh, are capable of being, because um, we, we have that potential within us to, to give our bodies over to um, things that God says we should not give ourselves over to. And what we actually find then in the book of Romans, son, is that when they rejected God, uh, in Romans 1, and they, they, rather than worshiping their creator, who can just be known in a way by just the, the whole universe, you know, the, the universe speaks that there, there's a creator. Um, we, we kind of know him personally through faith in Christ, of course, but um, when, when people do that, when they, when they exchange the truth for a lie, as it says in Romans, then there are actually three times there um, where it says God gave them over. Um, to unnatural then, desire. So the, the Greek word there, paradidomy, it, it occurs three times um, in those verses, and each one is a response, God's response to man's rebellion, and so he gave them over to unnatural desires, and then men became inflamed with, uh, uh, with lust for other men, women um, with other women, and uh, it, it's not only not natural, um, doesn't mean they're bigger sinners than anybody else. You know, people who experience those desires doesn't mean they should be ostracized or, 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 or made to feel like, well, you know, they're, they're the big sinners. It, it simply means that when we teach children what God created, he did not create men to be with men or women to be with women. Um, he did not create um, men to try to reinvent themselves as women or women to try to reinvent themselves as men. Um, and, and, and we live in a day where just saying that can get you labeled a, a bigot or a homophobe or a hater, but that's all bullying. All that is is bullying people who hold to the traditional view. Um, you know, it was interesting to me just in the last day or so that the Catholic Church, you know, finally came out. I kind of was waiting to see when they would come out and, and, and address gay marriage more directly, and apparently some folks in the Vatican had been asked the question about it, you know, and, and I'm sure there were folks wanting now the Vatican's finally going to, you know, give the green light that it's okay to bless uh, same sex marriage. Uh, especially since Pope, Pope Francis seems to be, or at least people thought he might be sympathetic to that view. Um, although nobody really, I don't think knew for sure necessarily, but it was interesting that they came out the Vatican and, and with Pope Francis, you know, behind it, saying um, we can't bless same-sex same unions, they can't do that in the Catholic Church because God doesn't bless sin. Now, that is a very, very direct, easy-to-understand, helpful explanation of why um, Christians 
do not have the luxury of, of blessing same-sex sin, I mean same-sex marriage, because the Bible labels adultery and fornication and homosexual behavior as sin. Um, and, 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 you know, we, we live in a day where that's not a popular word. Uh, it's not a popular word uh, to, to call something sinful, but we see what happens, son, when we get rid of it, the idea of sin and grace and, and God and forgiveness and, and male and female and, and, and sex between a man and a woman and marriage, you know, these so-called just traditional values that have been in Scripture, have been followed for thousands of years by many people, and it's only when a person starts to go astray from God's plan, as we're all susceptible to, and we've all fallen short in many ways. You know, so if any of these particular things we're talking about today apply to somebody maybe who's listening, it doesn't mean that that person is a bigger sinner than any one of us. It simply means that, that the Christian church always has and always will talk about sin and grace and, and really do what, what I commend the Catholic Church for doing, and that is coming out with a very clear statement that God cannot bless sin. I mean, you know, who could have said it any better than that? Uh, I commend them for that. Doesn't mean God doesn't love people who have same sex attraction. Doesn't mean God doesn't love people who are engaged in adultery uh, or who are promiscuous. And, and, you know, right now with spring break going on, doesn't mean God doesn't love, you know, um, those people who, let's say, are down there now uh, in Florida engaging in, you know, just wild parties of drunkenness and sex with whoever they can, you know, find. Doesn't mean God doesn't love those people or that that sin is any bigger or less than let's say, lying or gossip or judging others or hatred or homosexual behavior. You know, sin is sin. But, but the minute the, the church starts to say that God will bless sin is the day you're not talking about a church that looks anything like the Bible. That's, that's, that's not the church. That's never been the church. That's never been God's position, obviously. And, and so if somebody says, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian and I, I'm part of God's church, well, then, you don't have the luxury of going and, and just reinventing what is sin and what isn't sin. And, and, and I, I go into all that, so I know we're kind of talking about the transgender issue, maybe more so even, but I think that that starts to lay the groundwork a little bit because the dominoes have been falling since the sexual revolution. You know, it, 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 promiscuity ultimately led to then the media and Hollywood and others pushing then homosexual behavior. That was the next domino to fall. And they put on all the late night comedy shows. And one of the tricks that, that they use is they try to get people to laugh about it. And they put on all sorts of television shows and they try to people laugh. And, and when millions of Americans see people laughing about it, um, then that's supposed to be, and it's okay. And, and, and so that domino then led to the next domino, which is, you know, that, that, that didn't satisfy um, man's hunger for deviation from God's plan. That didn't satisfy it enough. Now we got to go to the next step. And the next step, apparently, is uh, transgenderism. But, but um, it's a very, very sad position for anybody to be in, to be drawn to someone of the same sex, um, to be drawn, let's say, to uh, somebody else's spouse. Let's say they're heterosexual. They're drawn to somebody else's spouse. That's a very sad position to be in, very sad position to be uh, uh, wanting to change your, um, your gender, very sad position to be in, let's say, as a college student, where you're just burning with sexual lust and you're giving into it over and over again uh, in a heterosexual manner, that's a very sad position to be in. Um, so the, we have to talk about this holistically, or you know, at least together. We can't just separate one form of, of sexual deviation um, and, and somehow 
you know, imply that, well, that's a bigger issue. You know, these are all issues that, that man has strayed with because his heart has gotten away from God and God's plan. And talking about that doesn't make a person a bigot, a homophobe, a fundamentalist. Now, there are those out there, I'm sure, who are those things. But, but there are millions of Christians uh, who hold to the biblical, traditional understanding of male and female and marriage between a man and woman and sex in marriage only. Um, there are millions and millions of Christians who believe that still today, son, because the Bible teaches it, that it's there for our protection. It's there because it will please God. It's there because this is God's plan. And, and as you said, and I'll leave it there, um, and I know I've kind of gone on a bit here, but, um, you know, as you said, when people aren't merely satisfied to engage in it themselves, they feel driven to indoctrinate the youth with their perversion. And, and this is what we see happening sadly today. Dark hearts trying to bring their darkness into the lives of children. And they call it, you know, in the name of tolerance and equality. You know, who hasn't heard that? In the name of equality, you know, I mean, <laughs> Satan couldn't have come up with a better you know, slogan for some of these things, but that's where we're at. And, and so, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to, we're trying to help who we can and we're trying to just maintain in our own lives, you know, maintain God's plan for our own hearts and souls and, and marriage for those of us who are married and sexuality for those who are, uh, let's say single, um, and, and wanting to, to engage in God's plan. Um, we're trying to help people understand why God's sta- plan is still, not only the best plan, but the only plan that brings ultimate satisfaction. Here, Dan, I've got a piece of audio here I'd like to play. It's a guy who is white. He's about 5'9", and he goes on to college campus, and I think it's the University of Washington, and he starts talking to college students about this uh, kind of gender thing. But his perspective is he tries to, he asks questions and then tries to get a response from people. And as he's asking the questions, the questions start to get more and more extreme and, and get away from who he really is. So it starts out, for example, Hey, do you think I could be a woman? Then he's like, Hey, do you think I could be six foot five? Hey, do you think I could be Chinese? Hey, do you think I could be a six foot five Chinese woman? And he's asking these questions and getting the response and the questions as he continues to ask him, the, they beget, they become more and more ridiculous. And the responses I find are quite, A, humorous, B, sad. And, and I think it gives us insight into the thinking of what people are doing because, well, yeah. let's just play it first and then we can have our comments. Sure. Okay. If I told you I'm six feet, five inches, what would you say? That I would question. Why? <laughs> because you're not. <laughs> no, I don't think you're 6'5". If you truly believed you're 6'5", I don't think it's harmful. I think it's fine if you believe that. It doesn't matter to me if you think you're taller than you are. <laughs> so you'd be willing to tell me I'm wrong? I wouldn't tell you you're wrong. No, but I say that um, I don't think that you are. I feel like that's not my place as like another human to say someone is wrong or to draw lines or boundaries. No, I mean, I wouldn't just go like, oh, you're wrong. You're like, that's wrong to believe in it. Because, I mean, again, it doesn't really bother me what you want to think about your height or anything. So I can be a Chinese woman. You... <laughs> um, sure. But I can't be a six foot five Chinese woman. Yes. If you thoroughly debated me or explained why you felt that you were six foot five, 
Uh, I feel like I would be very open to saying that you are six foot five or Chinese or a woman. I find that interesting because no one came out and said no, except that one gal. No one came out and said no. You're not a six foot five Chinese woman. You're a five nine ish white dude, and that's who you are. And they wouldn't challenge him on it, and they just accepted the fact that he's that said or thought he was a six foot five Chinese woman. And, and now I know being on the college campus and I've seen this, I taught in the college campus for years. Sometimes students will give you an answer that they think you want to hear. So some of that may not truly be their conviction, but that's, I think what they're thinking though. That's what they're, a lot of them do have that conviction. Obviously the guy's not six, five, obviously he's not Chinese. Obviously he's not a woman. And yet they refused to call him out on that. And that one guy said, well, if you thoroughly debated me or convinced me, then, yeah, I would believe it. But clearly, they won't, want, they won't call him out and say, no, you're not a Chinese woman. Oh, or maybe you could be a Chinese woman, but you're definitely not six foot five. And that's where they drew the line. It was like the height, which is biological, they drew the line there, but not when it comes to the woman or the Chinese. That you, they would accept. I just find that uh, quite interesting. Yeah, definitely, Son. And, uh, you know, I found the one young woman's response. It sounded very authentic and, and very sincere. And it's definitely what, what many have been indoctrinated in, uh, in our culture, uh, for, uh, at least a couple decades now. And, and that is this idea that who am I to, to establish a boundary? Who am I to say that someone is wrong? And, um, and, and this idea, Son, this, this idea that they're, there is no absolute truth. You know, the, the minute you hold to that premise, you've contradicted yourself because you can't, you cannot reject at the idea of absolutes by stating an absolute yourself. You know, the, 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 the most you might be able to say is, um, I, I don't think there are absolutes, but I'm not sure, you know, uh, kind of like the, the, uh, agnostic who says, I, I don't think there's a God, but I'm not sure. Um, the atheist takes a very arrogant position um, and claims to know for a fact that there is no God. Um, and, and this is, I would say, um, you know, a, a level of, of darkness that is even deeper than, than those who are agnostic and who say, you know, I haven't come to know God on a personal level. I, I'm not sure if there's a God, but I'm open to that. Um, but, but for that young woman to say, you know, who am I to say someone is wrong? Um, it, it's very tragic because, you know, they, you know, people in general, they, they, they don't behave that way in, in so many other areas of, of their life. You know, if, if somebody goes into the doctor and gets a terrible report that, um, they're going to need brain surgery because uh, something is, is very wrong, uh, going on within their brain there, uh, and, you know, the, the person doesn't take the attitude, you know, I'll just take any doctor you've got available. It doesn't really matter as long as he or she is convinced that they can do the job. Um, you you want to make sure you have the most qualified person to do that. But when it comes to the soul, even more important than your body, your brain, your physical health, when it comes to the soul and, and the matters that the Bible addresses of eternity, um, spending eternity in one of two places, heaven or hell. Uh, I mean, that's just so off the charts on in terms of importance compared to anything else in this life. Um, but when it comes to that, you find so many people willing to say, well, you know, um, 
I, I just, I, I just don't want to be so narrow-minded, you know, as to believe there's only, only one way to do it. And yet, when it comes to brain surgery, they, they would become narrow-minded quickly. You know, I, I only want the best surgeon possible who's experienced at brain surgery, and, and why? For their own well-being. But the problem is when darkness, you know, is in the soul, um, as we all have experienced, when darkness is in the soul, son. You don't value your soul. You don't understand the value of your soul. You don't understand the message of the cross, uh, which the Bible says is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So we've got the same message, son, the the message of, of the cross, that God sent his only son to come to earth. He lived a holy, perfect life. He died a holy death on the cross. He was crucified for our sins so that all who receive him by faith, all who rely upon his death for their sins, rather than their morality, their works, their religion, their righteous acts, anyone who relies on Jesus can be forgiven and is forgiven. Um, This message of the cross and of salvation is foolishness to those who are perishing. So what does that mean? Is the problem with the message of the cross, or is the problem with their lack of understanding? Is the problem their unbelief? And the Bible says it's their unbelief. It's because they are not trusting Christ. They're choosing to remain outside rather than embracing the truth. This is why their soul is in such danger and and, and why if they were to die today, um, according to the Bible, you know, God makes it very clear. This isn't something any of us came up with. According to the Bible, unless you enter through the narrow gate, you know, you are on the wide road that leads to destruction. And and that is a horrible place where the Bible says there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We wouldn't want any of our, probably our worst enemies to go there, you know. I mean, other than, you know, we might think, well, you know, I could see Hitler there. And I could see, you know, some, some terrorists there. And I could see some, you know, um, uh, you know, child predators there. I could see, some, you know, but I, I can't really, I, I really wouldn't want many people to go there. And yet the Bible says that many are on the wide road uh, to that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. People won't be partying in hell. They won't be drinking warm beer, you know, um, you know, so it's not perfect, but at least, you know, I'm with my friends and I'm, I'm, I'm able to drink. Well, it is so absolutely different than anything like that. Son. It's a person's worst nightmare times a million and it never ends. And I, I believe that, one of the first things a person in hell, a couple of things that they probably are fully aware of the minute they enter hell is that I deserve to be here. Um, whereas on earth, they, they didn't have any awareness of, of their uh, sin. I deserve to be here. I had opportunities to not be here. And I think there's going to be that awareness and I can never get out of here. Um, we can't think of something more horrible than that or more amazing than paradise. You know, I listened to Luis Palau give a beautiful message on here this week. He, of course, went home to heaven in the last week or so, 86 years old. Um, they kind of called him the, uh, you know, Argentinian uh, Billy Graham, or the, uh, you know, South American Billy Graham. Um, he, you know, he had a different style than Billy Graham, um, but they, but was just so, so used by God. Uh, same message, of course, same message, but just a little different style. But um, man, so many people could, could, could relate to him just like so many people could relate to and were blessed by Billy Graham. But, but, but anyway, um, Luis Palau gave this message on 15 things the Bible says about heaven. And I would encourage anybody just to look, look it up, you know, Google 
you know, Luis Palau's message, 15 things. He was at a church, uh, giving this message. Um, and it might've been Bayside church. If I remember the name, right, but you could Google it and, um, wonderful message. And, and, and this was given like in the last, you know, uh, year or two, you know, he was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, but then the Lord gave him a couple more years. So I think this message was a year or two ago. Um, and, uh, you know, so as terrible as hell is, heaven is beyond our wildest dreams in terms of its beauty. And, and so, Simon, well, you and I and Christians have the privilege to do with people who maybe are struggling with, you know, um, maybe they're struggling with gender confusion, or maybe they're struggling with, you know, sexual uh, addiction, or maybe they're struggling with fear or guilt or, or shame or, or um, greed. You know, what we're able to talk to people about is that, hey, um, what is seen as temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Um, and, and if you really want to make it through this life in, in, in the best way possible and be assured of going to going up rather than going down, Luis kind of talked about that. Everything in the Bible but with hell is always down. Everything in heaven is always up. You know, if you want to be sure of going um, up rather than down, then, um, you know, you will, you will need Jesus. You will need the blood that he shed on the cross, which will be applied to your sin the moment you receive him by faith, the moment you trust him as Savior, the moment you turn to him and repent of your sin and say, Lord, I've blown it. I'm a mess and I can't save myself. And I've sinned, Lord, more times than I can count, but I'm willing to give my life to you. I'm willing to surrender to you, Lord, even though I don't even really know what that means other than I know I need you and I want to go to heaven and I want to be forgiven. I mean, son, that's all it takes. That's all it takes. And meanwhile, we're, we live in a culture and a system of people who are being driven in some cases to try to convince little boys that they could be little girls and little girls that they could be little boys and, 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 and that God does want to bless um, same-sex marriage, even though as the Catholic Church said God, God won't bless men, uh, and that's clearly biblical. But, but you got people who are so confused themselves. They're not content to just go to a place of darkness, apparently. I mean, that seems where they want to go, apparently. They're not, con- they're not content with that. They want to bring other children along their path. Now, of course, they don't believe it's leading to hell. They don't believe that it's dark. They, they, they believe it's tolerant. They believe it's about equality. But what they don't understand is they are messing with not only the bodies, but even the souls of these precious little ones. And, and the Bible says it's not going to be good for those who, uh, who harm little ones uh, on the other side of, of this life. So, um, you know, son, we have an amazing gospel to share. It's the only gospel, and I'm just, I'm just so thankful that Luis Palau was faithful to that message. 86 years on earth, God took him to heaven, and we'll get to meet him in heaven. You know, more importantly, we'll get to see Jesus, and that was something Luis said. He just can't wait to see Jesus. I mean, he just was so excited, and this was a year or two ago when he gave that message. And so, son, um, what, a, what a message, what a Savior we have you know, to share with people in a broken world. We're all broken, but, you know, the world seems to be going in the wrong direction in terms of broken ideas, broken promises, um, you know, broken philosophies that are supposed to help people. Well, they, they don't end up helping people in, in many of these cases. Dan, I came across another uh, video that I'd like to play an excerpt from. It's a, a person who's transgendered, male to female, and talks about the Bible, we oftentimes get a lot of people that try to use the Bible for their to prove their their 
their way, you know, to prove who they are, to prove their point, I guess. And it doesn't have to just be in transgender ideology. It could be anything. People always are taking the Bible and quoting it and saying, this proves that what I'm doing is okay. And so here's someone who is trying to use the Bible. And so I wanted to get your perspective on what is being said, because I think there's a disconnect with what's being said and what is being believed by the person who said it. So here's this. With all of this in mind, there are a few verses in the Bible that may point to affirming gender transitions. Galatians 3, 26 through 28 states that in Christ, we are all one. We are all children of God. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for we are all alone in Jesus Christ. Now, I know verses can be taken out of context, but when people are trying to argue against queer identities, they have to take the Bible very, very seriously and literally. And if we're taking this verse literally, Jesus doesn't care about your gender. Jesus doesn't care male, female, trans, agender, bigender. It doesn't matter. The Bible also teaches people not to lie. This is, my identity is my own. I'm the only one that can tell you who I am. I am the person that defines myself. I've done a lot of soul searching, and this is the thing that makes the most sense. Now, the first thing that comes to mind is she says that I'm the one that identifies who I am. I'm the one that truly knows who I am, which, if you're quoting the Bible, is a falsehood because our identity is found in Jesus. Our identity is found in in our creation. And so there's a mix-up there, I think, on her part. And I don't want to be too judgmental, but there's a mix-up on her part, trying to quote the Bible to prove her point, and then making statements that goes contrary to what the Bible has to say in other parts. Um, Second of all, and maybe you can address the verse a little bit more, because I know there's a lot of people that go to that verse, but in my layman's research of the Scripture that she's talking about, they're, they're, my understanding is she's, the Bible's not talking necessarily about the, the physical descriptions of people. Like when we're in Jesus, we are that spiritual being. Yeah. It's, a, it's a spiritual yeah. presence. It's a spiritual yeah. connection. It's not a physical connection. It's a spiritual yeah. connection. And so what she's missing the point on is that she's looking at that scripture and looking on her physical appearance and not looking on her spiritual connection with Jesus. Yeah, uh, a- absolutely, Son. And like you say, um, we, we, we want to treat something like this as sensitively as possible because she is obviously terribly confused. Um, she has psychological challenges that she's facing. Um, and, and the biblical challenges that she faces are so far beyond her understanding. What I mean by that, Son, is one of the key principles of biblical interpretation is that Scripture interprets Scripture. In other words, you never can just pull out one verse and ignore, you know, hundreds and thousands of other verses and then make a case for your newfangled um, doctrine of whatever, whether it be a doctrine of salvation, a doctrine of angels, a doctrine, in her case, of of gender identity. Um, and, And so what she does is she takes the verse and she tries to make the case that I suppose she's making it for the Christian because uh, you know, I don't know what she would say about the, the unbelievers who are transgender, but she seems to be making the case that in her mind, in her opinion, um, if you're a Christian, then you're no longer male or female. And, and as she said, I get to choose my identity. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. I mean, for one thing, um, Paul, who had been Saul of Tarsus, 
uh, and then he was converted uh, and he became the Apostle Paul, he would go on to write, it's no longer I myself who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And so as you said, son, our identity is, is so intertwined in Christ that, that, that it's no longer about us. She was talking about I. She obviously is on, or he, you know, is on the throne of, 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 of his or her heart. You know, it, it, you kind of lose track of, of, of who, they're, who they're trying to be now. But, but this individual um, is, is, is on the throne of, of his or her heart. And, and the gender that God gave him or her at birth is the gender that they will have when they die. It's the gender that they have between their birth and their death. But it may not be the gender they identify with. It may not be the gender they dress their body as. It may not be the gender that, that they, they, they claim to be. Um, and, and the only way you can twist that verse uh, to try to make it say something that, that, like what she said is you have to ignore the hundreds and thousands of other verses because if what she said is true, son, then, then my question is why did Jesus, why did Jesus always make clear distinctions uh, between male and female men and women? Why does the New Testament not follow her approach. And, and, and why is the New Testament, when it's talking about a man, it, 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 it uses words like man and men. And when it's talking about women, whether it's, you know, um, getting to the tomb first, the empty tomb. I mean, the Bible doesn't say that this, this non-gendered person, you know, got to the empty tomb. Um, you know, it talks about the women. The Bible talks about, you know, the men who were Jesus's in the, the, the 12, you know, the, these apostles. Um, the Bible doesn't say that they were um, non-gender beings that, that could choose their own identity. Look in the New Testament. How many times? I wonder how many hundreds of times the word man or woman or men or women are used. Nothing in the Bible, including the verse that she is so twisting out of context, nothing would ever begin to come close to supporting her premise. But she's looking for some way to try to justify what in her mind has become, um, you know, the, the, the approach that she's choosing to, to, to take. And that is to identify uh, with a different gender than, than what she was born with, what she will die with, and what she will always be. Um, because, you know, son, if, if a man could truly change his gender, then we better start preparing for having, you know, some of these, um, you know, some of these individuals who, um, you know, want to dress as women. Now we better prepare to have them start coming into the hospital uh, and, and giving birth, you know, becoming pregnant, having their time of the month. Why don't they? I mean, if they're truly, is it in their mind or is it in their body? Well, clearly it's in their mind. It's not in their body. Well, well wait, you say. They had surgery to change their body. Okay, well then let, let's still wait. Let's wait and see when a, uh, you know, uh, an individual like this gives birth or starts to have their monthly period or, or starts to have, you know, any of the same things that differentiate, you know, male from female. Um, there's something like, you know, 6,000 differences, I think, son, that they have found between, um, you know, between men and women. And um, so it's really tragic that her line of reasoning, you know, would get out there and that she would try to use the Bible. It reminds me, though, of what some of these folks on have been doing in recent years, uh, really the last 10 or even 20 years, where they try to use the Bible to support um, same-sex uh, behavior. They, they try to use the Bible to support that. And you have to twist it and manipulate it and come up with all your theories. But at the end of the day, um, homosexual behavior remains as sinful as uh, fornication, as sinful as adultery. 
Um, it, it does. I mean, you, you can't change that fact. And this is why, again, the Catholic Church, good for them, came out you know, this week and said, you know, the reason that we can't have priests bless same-sex marriages is because God doesn't bless sin. Well, that's, that's because the Bible teaches that, Son. And so I would just say about her tragic comments, she needs prayer, um, and she needs the Lord, as we all do. Um, and we just hope that, you know, there won't be too many people, hopefully none, that will be swayed by her arguments, because if they, if they are, then they're setting themselves up to move into that category where studies have shown that transgender individuals are far, far more uh, suicidal in their thinking, far, far more depressed than people in general. I mean, you, you, what you lose by doing that is so much more than what you think you gain. And, and no wonder people are trying to transition back after having done this for a number of years. It doesn't work. You know, it doesn't work um, any more than, than a, a same-sex relationship works. It doesn't work. It doesn't satisfy the soul um, because God didn't create bodies, you know, to have two people of the same sex having sex. God created male and female to have sex in marriage. He did not create two men to have sex or two women to have sex or, or a man to change, try to change his gender or a woman to try to change her gender. Um, we're all sinners. We're all equally sinners. But, but, but the, the, the minute we start saying, oh, yeah, no problem with that. Um, you know, more and more people and more and more children, more and more youth are going to fall for that. And I, you know, what, what it's amazing that based on, I think something like maybe one in six millennials, I think I saw now identify as bisexual, not necessarily because maybe they're having same sex attractions, although some of them probably are, but, but they probably are so afraid of being called a homophobe. You know, where did that number come from? It's always been like maybe, maybe 1% of, of people you know, who are homosexual uh, and, and inclined to, to, to uh, uh, you know, we don't know why that 1% or let's say 2%, we don't know why they have same-sex desires, um, but we know that those don't come from God any more than the, the, the desire that far more people have to commit adultery. That doesn't come from God. Or, or, or uh, you know, getting becoming addicted and giving into, you know, um, fornication and then becoming promiscuous with that. That doesn't come from God. Um, so, you know, we are all broken. We are all in need of forgiveness. Um, but um, good for the Catholic Church. If we don't call it what it is, um, then how is anybody ever going to learn right from wrong? And I'll just go back to that, that one uh, quote from that, that young lady in the campus. I mean, this is what young people, why they're, they're being preached to so hard about there is no right. There is no wrong. You create your own right. You create your own wrong. And as we just heard from this individual on the tape, I'm the only one who can decide my gender. And that's man's nature there, son. I'm the only one that can decide right and wrong. I'm the only one that can decide my own sexuality. Yeah, I'm the only one that can decide to do what, uh, you know, what I want to do with the, the, the child that's forming in my womb, you know, a woman, a pregnant woman who has been indoctrinated to believe, you know, it's your body. It's your choice. It's no one but you. And that is, that's the mantra of, of, of hell. You know, there's no one but you. It's all about you. And, of course, the leader of hell, he fell for that lie. You know, he, he, he lost interest in worshiping God, apparently. Um, he didn't like being a created being. And so he, he wanted to go for it himself. And look where it got him. You know, he got kicked out of heaven. Um, the Bible says, and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. They know that's coming, son. That's coming for Satan. That's coming for the demons. 
like those two demon-possessed men that Jesus approached one day, and the demons inside the men cried out in fear, have you come to torture us before the appointed time? You know, so demons know, Satan knows, their ultimate fate, their ultimate eternity is sealed. They're going to be tormented day and night forever and ever. But um, God wants to save people today. He wants all men to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. He doesn't want anyone to go to that place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And if a person is going to choose to mess their life up by following, you know, the ideologies of the day and the politically correct uh, avenues of the day and, and just ignoring Jesus and their need for salvation, they will tragically wake up one day, son, and realize I was duped. Not just by those professors who were saying that to me or whoever it was, the media, the, the Hollywood elites, you know, I wasn't just duped by them. There was somebody pulling their, uh, you know, their strings, even though they may not have known it. There's an ultimate puppet master behind them, and, and it's the ruler of darkness. And he's working to spread these lies through his puppets, even if they have no idea they're being manipulated by him. But they're, they're presenting an anti-Christian message, an anti-biblical message, a harmful, dark message. And, and um, you know... They, they need the Lord. We all need the Lord. But um, I'm just glad, son, that the Lord has, has redeemed us by his blood and that we have an opportunity to help others come to know Christ as Savior. You know, it's the gospel according to I that we all get trapped in and I this, I that when we're clearly spoken in the Bible that we're supposed to, you know, deny ourselves, lay down our cross and follow Jesus. You know, you mentioned some of the differences between men and women. And a couple of years ago, the Weizmann Institute of Science discovered 6,500 genetic differences between men and women. So there's a vast yeah. difference. They're not the same. Yeah. And recently yeah. I went and tried to find because I started to see hints of things like men being able to give birth and trans women being able to give birth. And through all the medical journals that I looked through, and I did quite a bit of extensive research on it, there isn't one example of a biological male, even no. though it might be a trans woman now, giving birth. Yes. Because there's, it's Won't not going to happen. happen, you know? No. And, and so, no. these, so these people tend to get in their ideology and their thinking, they tend to get more and more. And I don't want to say it's absurd, but scientifically it's becoming absurd because they're starting to make mm -hmm. claims of things that can happen and won't happen and haven't happened. You know, it, right. it hasn't happened. There's no proof. And if there is, I would like someone to message me and let me know because yeah. I have yet to find it in the medical journals. I don't need the tabloids telling me that some alien baby right. was delivered to some dude. Somewhere. Right. You know, I want some scientific facts. And so you start to get that. But with these, with these differences and with people starting to transition, you start to, you know, starts to take a toll on the minds of people. Like you mentioned in this article, the little girls and boys are running home to their mom confused about and scared yeah. about how they don't want to be a boy because they're a girl and vice versa and so forth. Yeah. But the other yeah. thing too was when it comes to sex reassignment surgery and stuff, Sweden did a 30 year study where they found that, you know, transgender people, especially those that have gone, undergone maybe sex reassignment surgery, are more likely mm -hmm. to commit suicide upwards of 20 times. And so that same yeah. gal that I just played a, a portion of her, her YouTube clip, that's why I found it was on YouTube, also had this to say about some statistics that she found. According to the National Center for Transgender Equality and the National LGBTQ Task Force, 41% of all trans people will attempt or commit suicide. 41%. That's almost half of us. Half of my brothers and sisters are going to attempt suicide because of the way our society perceives us. 
Okay, now 41%, that's brutal. I mean, that's just a sad thing to, yeah, to yeah, hear. Yeah. And I know what she's saying. She's saying that, you know, because of that, we need to do things to make it easier and more accepting and right. make it so that trans people are more accepted into society, so therefore suicide rates go down. But I'd like to take a, an opposite view, if I could, real quick. If 41% of people are committing suicide, if 41% of people are doing things that are detrimental to themselves, wouldn't that possibly indicate that what they're doing is wrong or something is wrong with what they're doing? So, for example, if everybody is smoking cigarettes, you know, back when you watch James Bond and, you know, in the 50s and 60s and maybe in the 70s, people were smoking. Smoking was cool. It was on TV. It was everywhere. Smoking was cool. But then we started to realize that a bunch of people were suffering the ill effects of cigarette smoke. They were uh, getting cancers and, and lung issues and dying. And then slowly we start to change. We start to realize that the behavior of what we're doing is bad. It's causing, yeah. a, it's causing people to die. And so now we yeah. can no longer smoke in restaurants, on airplanes. And now in California, especially here in Los Angeles, you really can't smoke anywhere. Um, yeah. And so we took steps to correct that because people were dying. Drinking, you know, same thing. You know, you have yeah. age limits. You have supposedly rules in effect and laws in effect so that you don't drink and drive. Try to encourage people from, you know, doing these things. And so if we're engaged in a behavior that is detrimental to us at an alarming rate, Shouldn't there be a look as to why it's causing that? Why is it that 41% of transgender people yeah. try to kill themselves? Why is it that it's such a, a, a tremendous, you know, negative thing? What's causing it? Is it the depression? Is it the confusion? You know, what is going on? And shouldn't that be an alarm? Alarm bells going off saying that, wait a minute, maybe there is something here that isn't natural that's going on and that maybe we need to discuss this and figure this out because the numbers back the fact that 41% of the people are trying to kill themselves or are committing suicide, yeah. there might be something yeah. wrong with this. Yeah. You know, son, to, to use, to use that argument, I think the smoking thing is a beautiful example um, to use the argument of that transgender individual who says, you know, well, there's 41% of us who will think of suicide because of the way society treats us. That would be son, like saying, that um, a, a person who, let's say, has been smoking for decades, and then um, let, let's say that, you know, a high percentage of, of people in that category end up getting lung cancer, dying from smoking, that'd be like saying, let's just use the same statistic, but I'm sure it's higher, but, uh, you know, 40, 41% of my brother and sister smokers, um, uh, you know, aren't, aren't just having, you know, aren't having suicidal thoughts, they're actually dying because of all the pressure society's putting on us by these commercials. That, that, that show how deadly smoking can be. You know, how dare society do that? They're putting all this pressure on us. But, but what the transgender person fails to realize, Son, is that just as a person can inhale smoke and their lungs can become black, your soul can become very dark when you, when you invite in um, dark elements. I'll give you an example. Um, when people dabble with the occult, for example, um, whether they go to a seance, whether they mess with a Ouija board, um, whether they um, communicate with a psychic and, and rely on that, whether they try to um, communicate with dead people, maybe dead relatives or whatever, and they have conversations with these images that they're seeing. I mean, we could go on and on, all sorts of occultic things. When you dabble with the occult uh, in, in that way, then, son, 
your life then will likely come under the oppression of dark spirits. Now that oppression could be, uh, it could, it, many times it is, it's suicidal thoughts. Um, it, it's other pressures that you feel. It's heightened anxiety. It's heightened fear. Why? Because demons have real power that can mess your life up even more than our lives are already messed up by the brokenness of sin. Okay. So you can't choose to engage in those occultic things, even though maybe you saw the psychic hotline on TV and it seemed pretty innocent, you know, uh, it seemed pretty innocent, but then you, you got hooked on it. Uh, or, or you, you got hooked on uh, going to seances or, or messing with the Ouija board or whatever it is. Um, you got hooked on that. But what you were doing is that you were, you were breathing this darkness into your soul. And that is going to have an effect, a huge impact on your life. So for the transgender individual there to say, well, you know, 41% of us are suicidal, um, therefore shame on society for making us feel so bad about ourselves. Instead, what that person should be saying is, you know, when we were born as little babies in this world, and, and, and when the doctor and everyone there saw that this is either a, a boy or a girl, you know, from that moment on, we were not born with just tremendous amounts of, 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 of you know, this kind of darkness in our soul. Oh, there's other, you know, babies are born with sin and, and so forth. Uh, it's a sinful nature. But, but there's, not, there's not the degree, I would say, of, of, of darkness that comes in when you start inviting in the dark ideologies that transgender people have bought into. Because in their, in their confusion over their gender, somewhere along the way, somebody told them, you know what your problem is? You're living at the wrong gender. And, and that ideology, Son, is so dark that it, it in itself produces suicidal thoughts. So it's very, very possible that those 41% of people who had suicidal thoughts as transgender, many of them may never had a suicidal thought if they had not chosen to smoke, to breathe in the dark ideology of transgenderism. It has messed with their soul. It has messed with their spiritual and mental well-being. It has brought suicidal thoughts into their lives. And this by itself should, tell, should show us how, how much the devil and demons are involved. They will use anything they can, Son, to get more darkness into a person's soul. Um, if it's the occult, they'll use the occult. If it's transgender ideology, it'll be that. If, it, if it's holding a grudge against someone and convincing someone, you don't have to forgive that person. You know, you, not after what they did to you, then, you know, they'll use that. And there are all sorts of ways that demons use to bring darkness into the soul, but it's the individual who chooses to smoke the cigarette of that false doctrine, of that lie, of that sinful behavior, um, holding that grudge, um, embracing, um, you know, an ideology that is clearly unbiblical and harmful. And this is why 41% of transgender people, according to her or him, you know, uh, why they're experiencing suicidal thoughts. Because it, this is why people die of lung cancer. You cannot take in dark elements into your lungs, in your body, or into your soul without your, your lungs or your body starting to get black, okay, on the inside, dark, uh, starting to suffer. And um, thankfully, you know, the, the color of the skin, uh, we are all equal. And the color of a person's skin is no indicator of what's going on on the inside, you know. Uh, and and uh, we are all beautiful in God's sight. And he chose to, to give all sorts of colors uh, on the outside and, 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 and black and brown and white and, and – but – on the inside, you know, nobody was born, it should ever be born with black lungs, you know, nobody should ever have black lungs, but that's what smoking does. 
And boy, um, bad ideologies bring spiritual darkness to the soul and suicidal thoughts are just one element um, when you're under the oppression of demonic beings and the lies of the father of, of, of lies, and that's Satan himself. You know, Dan, I've been asked many times by people, like I mentioned before, I taught on the college campus for years, and you know, maybe one day I'll get back there. I'm not sure what God has in store for me. But, um, but one of the things that would pop up, kind of just in generalized conversations, social conversations, settings on campus with life issues. And that of religion would often pop up because, you know, people would know that I was a, a Christian and, and that my beliefs were a little different than, you know, maybe the rest of what the beliefs would be on campus. And so questions would always be asked. And one time, for example, a question was asked about, you know, gay people. Would gay people be in heaven? And I was like, yeah, you know, you can have gay people in heaven if they're, you know, followers of Christ and they're, you know, and, and, and if they're, you know, if they're followers, the simple answer was yes. If they're followers of Christ and it's a sin they struggle with, their sin is no different than the sin from the rest of us. And so, you know, I'm a liar and I could be in heaven as a liar. I could be in heaven as a coveter, you know, someone that covets other people's things. I could be in heaven, uh, as a whatever you want to insert into that end of the sentence. And so I was like, yeah, I believe that there could be people, but it comes down to the heart and it comes down to what they truly believe and how they live their life. And so, you know, everyone was like, okay, that, that, that's, you know, that's a good answer, you know, whatever. But the question then comes up about transgender people. And I've heard many people in the theological world and in the, you know, Christian world say that, you know, transgender and someone who's transgendered is, it's, it's kind of going down the rabbit hole, if I could use that term a little bit without triggering people. It's, uh, it's getting worse and worse as far as you giving your body, your soul and your mind over to the the demonic side, if that makes sense. It's, it's like you're pushing yourself further and further to the point of no return because you're taking such drastic measures and Satan has kind of taken over, as they say. Um, so the question was, can transgender people come back from that? Can transgender people be saved? And of course, the simple answer is yes. But if you take anything, any sin that we do, okay, um, our lustful desires, that ultimately lead us down a path where we start to have lustful feelings for children. Okay. Even though it's a heterosexual thing, it could be a lustful for children, or underage people. You know, you look at uh, pornography and I guess at one time the most popular search was 18 or teenagers, you know, so you can, you can, your lust consumes you, your, your sin consumes you, whatever you start to partake in will consume you to the point of no return is the point I'm getting at. And so with transgender ideology and people that start to transition, you know, what, what is it from your perspective and your experience as a pastor, you know, when someone asks the question, can transsexuals, transgendered people, you know, can they get to heaven? Can they repent from their sin? What happens to them at that point? Because I think there is a, a lot of confusion there with that as people, you know, look at them and, and try to understand their yeah. point and try to understand because it is about I. It's, you know, like the lady said here in this clip, I'm the one that determines me. I'm the one that's this. I'm the one that's, that's that. You know, is there any coming back from that? Well, I'll tell you, Son, um, you know, I, I, I think as long as a person still has breath in their lungs to go back to the lungs for a second you know as long as they're still alive um there's always hope and prayer for a person who's not yet let's say in christ uh, that they can repent and believe the good news now 
it's interesting that, you know, we, we hear so much about gender identity. And even that one woman who was saying, well, only I can, can define myself. Um, and then you ask a good question, you know, uh, regarding these labels or terms. Uh, I want to just read a couple of verses here in Revelation, and I'll get to, I want to definitely try to answer your very good question. But in Revelation 22, 14, it says, blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. And of course, that's talking about our robes being washed with the blood of Christ through faith. And then it says this, son, outside, that is outside the gates of heaven. And now get this, look at this list. This is in the last chapter of the Bible, um, maybe, you know, just about maybe uh, 15 verses to go in the Bible. No, not even that, six verses to go in the Bible. It says, outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the adulterers, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Now, it's critical that we understand um, why the Bible uses the, the labels that it uses um, for unbelievers and why God never puts a sinful label onto a Christian. I'm going to give you one more example. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 and following, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So let's just take one of those um, terms there, the greedy, for example, okay? Uh, and we could look at any of those, but let's just take the greedy, okay? So let's say a person becomes a Christian, and, and then in their life, they fall prey to greed. They fall prey to greed, okay? Um, that's not God's will. Um, and the Holy Spirit will be working to convict them of their, of, their, um, of their sin. Because as Jesus said, you cannot love both God and money, so you have to choose. But here's the thing, son. Here's what's critical, and, and this is what's so important for trans folks who want to identify as transgender, and I use that word want intentionally because they want to. Uh, I, I guess there could be some who don't want to, but ultimately they will choose to or choose not to. Um, so um, you as a Christian, okay, any person who's a Christian, God is not going to put a sinful label on you even as you continue to struggle with that that issue or those issues that are sin. You know, you ask the question, can a gay person um, go to heaven? Can a gay person be saved? And, and the first way that we have to address that son is this, um, are, you know, are, are we talking about the way that, are, are we going to use terms the way the, the world does or the way God uses them? Because here's the thing, son, there are, there are plenty of people who have come out of the, 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 the gay lifestyle and they've, they've committed their bodies to Jesus. And, and for many of them, it hasn't just been like perfection all of a sudden or anything like that, but there's, there's still an ongoing struggle. There's still temptation. There still would be times where some of them say, you know what? I took three steps forward and two steps back, but you know, but now I'm, I'm, but I'm continuing to press on. I'm continuing to, to, to fight against those sinful desires that, that just like the Catholic church that God cannot, uh, bless sin. They identify, you know, same-sex behavior is sinful in that statement. You have to identify greed as sinful. You have to identify, um, you know, lust and gossip as sinful and practicing the magic arts as sinful. So when you do that, then, son, the, the, the person who's a, who's a Christ follower, who's trusting Christ for salvation, but who still struggles with same-sex attraction, okay? And those two can definitely coexist within the same person. Just like you can have a Christ follower who still really struggles with 
um, with, with their thought life or with lying or whatever. Okay. Those two can still exist. Um, but you in God's eyes are not a liar. You are not greedy. You are not a homosexual offender unless you want that to be your lifestyle rather than you wanting to repent of that, confess that to God, and you want to turn away from it. So you, in that sense, you do get to choose your identity. You can either identify as Christ, in Christ, identify yourself as a Christian in Christ. Um, and, and if you identify that way, then biblically, your only option is to renounce sin. Um, and wherever you don't renounce sin, you know, we could talk about all the reasons why that would mess up a person's heart and everything. But, but uh, you know, if the Holy Spirit's in you, you're going to come under conviction. You know, you're, you're going to want to turn from that. But, you know, can a gay person go to heaven? Well, here's the thing. Can a, can a greedy person go to heaven? Can a liar go to heaven? Can a homosexual offender go to heaven? Can a, can a prostitute go to heaven? You know, can anyone go to heaven? Jesus' first sermon was repent and believe the good news. Nowhere in that did he say, repent and believe the good news so that you're never again tempted, so that all of a sudden you're perfect, so that, I mean, I, I'm glad, so I'm sure I'm thankful that God doesn't ask us when we become Christians. Now, you need to promise me that you will never again give in to any sinful thought or anything in your life, even for five seconds. Uh, I mean, we, we, we would like to be able to promise that, but we would be unwise to do so. Well, what, what instead we should say to the Lord is, Lord, I don't want to sin. You know my heart. You know I don't want to sin. Now, son, that the difference between that and the unbeliever, the unbeliever cannot or will not say that. The unbeliever would say, well, you know, some of these things about God calls sin, I'm okay with. And in fact, I'm okay living that way. That attitude right there, son, is not compatible with Christianity or being a Christ follower. Okay, so that's the key. Um, where there's no repentance, uh, the word repent, metanoia, it means change, meta of, of mind change of mind. God works a change in us, a change of our mind when we repent and when we believe the good news. Um, so um, go, now finally to go to your question, you know, is there hope? Can I, can a transsexual person? Well, what I would say, uh, what I would say there is this, um, you know, it would be very important to help that individual see that they were created in God's image and that God loves, loves him or her and, and that Christ died for him or her and that they can only know salvation in Christ as they repent of their sin. Um, and, and then as part of that whole process of, of coming to know God's will, it would be very important then for the messenger to help that person see that no matter how strongly you may feel that, that this other gender is, is the way you should be living, um, that is going against God's will for your life. That is rejecting who God made you to be, even though your feelings may be overwhelming you. Um, you the gender you were born with is, is the gender that God has, has created you to be, you know. Um, and, and so that would be part of, the, uh, part of the teaching that would be, you know, necessary for that individual. Um, you know, it, it's interesting, son, and I'll leave it at this. Um, we're we're kind of getting into an area here that really Scripture um, doesn't have much, you know, nearly as much, if anything, to say for the most part uh, about about that specifically as it does, um, you know, homosexual behavior. Um, you know, we're, we're getting to an in, into an area where uh, a person who is so confused about their own identity. Um, I, I guess I would just say that if if you are convinced that you're to be a transgender person, you are so under the influence of darkness that it would be important to, for, 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 let's say for a transgender person to be a Christian, it would be important for them to say, Jesus, I give you everything 
including my gender. It would be important for that person fond to say, I'm no longer going to choose my identity, Lord. I want you to choose it. And no matter what I think my gender is today, I'm willing to be taught by you and by the counsel of other Christians and by the counsel of your word. Now, son, anybody who does that can and most likely will come to find their true gender. But if they go to God and say, I'm only going to come to Christ if I can keep living. Now, let's just use the, the, the sin example. Keep living in greed. Keep living in uh, fornication. Keep living in adultery. Keep living in homosexual behavior. Um, God says, no, you're not ready. You, you, ha- you need to repent and believe the good news. So, so if a person is coming to God as a transgender, I would just simply say, and this would take a lot of one-on-one counseling with that person, I, I, would, I would work to try to lead that person to see what Christ has done for them on the cross, dying for their sins, not focusing so much at all on the transgender issue, at least not initially, but focusing on, you know, what is it about Jesus that, that attracts them? What is it about? And, and then helping to educate them if they've been taught lies about Jesus and about the Bible and about sin. And then getting to that point, where then you can help that person come to see, son, that um, if you're willing to say to Jesus, I want my identity to be in Christ, you can get free of this. But I think we do have to make it very clear to them, you've been deceived. Um, you, you're not, it's not possible to change your gender. You've been lied to on that. And if they're not willing to hear that or receive that, then they're probably not going to be very interested in Christ. I, I, I can't see how they would be, son, be, be, because um, Jesus never said, you can come to me. And, 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 you know, just do whatever you want to do. He said, if you come to me, you have to take up your cross and follow me. And, and so, um, anyway, um, those are a couple of thoughts, I guess. Yeah, I know I kind of put you on the spot with that, but, um, but I wanted to find out because I know people become, at least in my sphere that I've gone through my journey, so to speak, there's a, a sphere of influence that says it's okay to be yourself in this physical world and do what you want. It's like having, and we've discussed this many times, having your foot both in heaven and on earth, you know, both, you, yeah. you, and you can't, you can't serve two masters. And yet there's a lot, right. especially when it comes to this transgender ideology, for example, there is a lot of belief that you can have it both ways, that it can go both ways, you know, and like the, the audio that we played earlier, you know, she goes on in that video to talk about how there's several other people, she doesn't talk about religion in her videos, but she goes on and talks about how there's several other people that will talk about religion, Christianity, the Bible, and transgender, and how it's okay, and they have all the support for it, and the biblical answers and stuff, and, and so on. So I think it's, you know, it was just kind of for me to find out what you thought on it, because there is a lot of people that would say that it's okay to have your foot in each. It's okay. You can be X and a Christian. You can do this and a Christian. You can be greedy and a Christian. You can, you know, be a, yeah. a liar and a Christian. Yeah. And so right. on the surface, yes, but I like the answer you said, as you start to get into it, if you truly are whatever it is that you're doing, yeah. you're going to want to give that up. The temptation may still be there. You may still fall to temptation because, like you said, Christ didn't say be perfect, just follow me. But yeah. If, yeah. If, if our heart's desire is to continue down that sinful path, which is moving us yeah. away from Christ, then that's where yeah. it becomes problematic. If our- well, and, and here's a test with the whole transsexual uh, you know, issue there, Son, and that is if, if, if I cannot say and be biblically sound in saying so, if I cannot say, um, I'm greedy and I'm a Christian and I want to, or I, I want to be greedy and I'm a Christian. Uh, I want to live as an adulterer and I'm a Christian. I want to live as a homosexual offender and I'm a Christian. I want to live as a transsexual uh, person, transgender person rather. And, 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 and I'm a Christian. Um, if those things don't fit and they don't, then, um, what we see is that these are simply ways, you know, the, the world wants to put these labels on a person 
And, and I would just say very strongly, anybody listening today, Son, whatever your sin issue is, if you're a Christ follower, if you're trusting in Jesus as your Savior, no matter what your pet sin, your, your deepest, darkest sinful desires may be, you know, whatever that is, that's not who you are. That's not, and I'll tell you why it's not. It's because it's not who you want to be. The minute you say, that is who I want to be, then you're choosing that over identity in Christ. I want to be a drunkard. I want to be a slanderer. I want to be a swindler. I want to be a fornicator. I want to be a homosexual offender. And I would even add to that, I want to be a transgender. Um, well, what do you want more? And, and, and what we've seen, Son, is that, there, that the people who come out of, let's say, homosexuality, okay, and it doesn't mean that, you know, they've been never tempted again, although I will say there have been many, as they've come out of that, those desires have lessened and lessened and lessened um, for those who have made it out. Many don't make it out. But, but for those who have made it out, they've lessened and lessened and lessened to the point where now they're very satisfied in a heterosexual relationship. Now, that doesn't mean that there couldn't be things in their past that could trigger. Just like an alcoholic, you know, uh, you know, or, okay, uh, a person who has struggled with alcohol. Because I don't even think, you know, the term alcoholic fits the, the, the Christian who has struggled with alcohol. I, I know that's, that's the world's term. So I have to correct myself there. I would say that the, 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 the Christian who has had a problem with alcohol, you know, um, or, or made that their God. Um, but, but once you're in Christ. Um, those labels don't fit you anymore. And that's why I read those passages and it says, and this is what some of you were, you know, you were this, you were that meaning that was your identity. That's who you were. But now that you're in Christ, you are forgiven. You are clothed. You are redeemed. Um, you're not perfect, but in Christ, you're perfect. God sees you as perfect. And where the darkness still crops its ugly head, like that, like that, uh, zombie that, that, that still seeks to come out of you. That's the old sinful nature. Uh, or what I like to call the basement room in the basement of the soul. Um, if we choose to go down there and dwell in the basement with wrong thoughts, wrong ideas, et cetera, et cetera, then it's like, yes, son, it's possible for a Christian. Look at, look at King David. He lived as a zombie for a while. And while he was a zombie king, you know what he was doing? Um, he was having, he was committing adultery with Bathsheba. He was having her husband killed. He was a zombie. And, and people want to argue about, well, you know, did he fall away from God or whatever? I know this, but he was a zombie. He had no peace. Just read what he wrote in the Psalms about how miserable it was. Did he repent? Yes. Was he forgiven? Yes. Okay. So Christians cannot be happy in sin. If Christ is in you, you won't be happy living for sin, period. And you will come under conviction. And I would just say to sum it all up, when we're dealing with a transgender issue, we have to be very delicate, very sensitive. It's going to best be done one-on-one. -on -one. But I would say the same thing with the homosexual issue. That's going to best be done one-on-one -on -one because these are very, very deep issues for people, very personal issues, very emotional, very physical. Um, and, and um, you know, I think the Catholic Church did the right thing because they were put to the point, they were put on the uh, spot there. They were asked, they, I, I think they want, there were some people that wanted some priests to bless same-sex unions and good for them for coming out and saying, hey, it's not going to happen because God cannot bless sin. Good for them. We have to make those foundational statements. But when it comes to then um, dealing with that beyond that, I think we need to be very personal. Um, you know, there, there, there's that prophetic part of it. But then there's also the pastoral part of it. And the prophetic part of it is we have to toe the line biblically or we're going to mess people's lives up and, and lead them into darkness. But when it comes to individuals, we have to be very pastoral, very compassionate, realizing that we're all sinful and that this person already probably feels guilty, already probably feels maybe that society or the church or God is against him or her. So we have to be very, very sensitive, deal with individuals, and some will make it out, some won't. 
Um, but you know, Sean, for everyone that doesn't make it out of one of these things we're talking about today, there are thousands of people that, you know, they, they live and die and they, they, they've given their life to gambling or to alcohol or, or to, um, unbelief, or, you know, atheism or, um, you know, some other false religion. So there's all sorts of things that can mess a person up, but there's only one that can deliver us. And, and his name is Jesus. Yeah. And that's what we need to focus. If anything, Focus on the cross, focus on Jesus, and he will restore us no matter how far down that rabbit hole we go in darkness and sin. He's there for us, and all we have to do is repent and believe, and we shall be saved. Dan, and isn't it cool, son? It isn't is. it cool that Jesus hung out at times with the prostitutes and the tax collectors and the religious bigwigs? He had the biggest words of condemnation. So I think if Jesus were walking on earth today, he wouldn't have the biggest words of condemnation for um, those who are struggling with some sexual sin or those who are struggling with, um, you know, transgender identity. Not at all. I think he would have the he would have words of condemnation for the holier than thou types, the judgmental types. Okay, but he he wouldn't he wouldn't let the other things. He wouldn't give him a pass any more than he gave the woman caught in adultery a pass. He said, neither do I condemn you. But then what did he say? Go and sin no more. So he dealt with her pastorally. Um, he dealt with her lovingly. Um, but there is a boundary. Unlike what we heard on that one thing you played earlier from the, the young woman at the campus. I know she doesn't like boundaries. I know we're in a society that doesn't like boundaries. But I'm telling you, there are boundaries. And there's a boundary between heaven and hell uh, in eternity. And so, my friend, today you're going to want to be on the right side of that boundary by accepting Christ as your Savior. because. That boundary line exists, and once you enter your eternal uh, residence, once you, 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 you make your eternal trip, that destination, you will never, ever leave that place again. So it's very important that heaven become your home. And, Son, thank you for your podcast, Sanctified Reason, that helps a person through the Holy Spirit to not only have human reason, but more importantly, sanctified reason, to see things as much as we can from God's perspective, because there are a lot of smart people who've lived and died, intelligent people who are in hell today. Uh, they were plenty smart, Son, on, on all sorts of things, but the, the message of the cross was foolishness to them. And, and so that's why they're in hell today because of their unbelief. God wanted them to be saved. But if you're listening to this, my friend, they're still, you know, you're still breathing and God wants you to be saved. Repent and believe the good news and trust in Christ and you will be forgiven. Dan Delzell, pastor at Redeemer Church in Papillion, Nebraska. If someone wants to find out more or reach out, how can they get a hold of you? Well, they could uh, just Google uh, Redeemer and Papillion, and, and uh, they could uh, check out some messages on our Facebook page, or uh, they could always email me at dandelzell at cox.net, uh, D-A-N-D-E-L-Z-E-L-L. And for those of you that would like to reach out to me, you can find me on Instagram at edemrocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S, edemrocks. You can DM me there and uh, let me know, you know what's going on. And for those of you who are uh, listening, we thank you for listening. Do tell a friend. I know it's a, a tough subject, but, you know, sometimes we have to take a look at these tough issues because these are people's souls. These are people's lives at stake. You know, we're we're called to, you know, in a loving way, you know, reach out to them and to let them know that, you know, the cross is the only way to go. And we have to deny ourselves. And and this whole idea of I'm the one that chooses my gender. I'm the one that, you know, does whatever I want to do. I'm the one that is the the way, you know, is the way of Satan. It's the way of this world, and Jesus is the only way. And so it's important for us to have these conversations and to talk about these issues as we um, continue on with the conversation because it's important for people to hear this. I know it's a, a big day at, you know, with a lot of things. Uh, any final thoughts, Dan, before we wrap it up real quick? Or uh, 
No, I think you said it very well there, son. I, I just would want anyone listening to just be encouraged to know that no matter what guilt you're feeling today, no matter what sin you've committed, um, what Jesus did on the cross is so much more than what you've done to condemn yourself. Um, God will save you. Uh, he saves us in spite of ourselves. He saves us through faith in Christ. So I would just hope that anyone, no matter what what guilt or sin they're, they're struggling with today, um, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of a quote I saw this week uh, that Martin Luther said. And, of course, he struggled. He grew up in a very religious uh, environment. Um, and he was actually, you know, a Catholic, but he was not yet uh, saved. He, he didn't know the Lord yet uh, through faith. And, and at some point along there, Martin Luther made this quote. He said, if I could only come to believe that God isn't angry with me, I would just jump up on one foot, you know, for joy. And and so a lot of people are beaten down by religion. They're beaten down by their religious background, by their, their attempts to save themselves. And so whether it's that, my friend, or whether it's one of these things we've talked about today or some, you know, some type of addiction, whatever it is, um, don't, don't forget that what Jesus did on the cross was to deliver you, forgive you, save you, redeem you. And, and, and don't let Satan, don't believe his lie that your sin is bigger than your savior because it's, it's not. And, and many people who've done far worse than you have been forgiven. Why? Because the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. So run into Jesus' arms today and, and you're going to experience a freedom like uh, you, you've never known and you'll definitely be forgiven. And, and uh, God will write your name in heaven's reservation book. Uh, the Bible calls that the book of life. And you, if your name isn't in it, if you're not sure whether it's in it, definitely today talk to Jesus about that and say, Lord, would you please put my name in that book? You know, would you please receive me as a, as a disciple, as a believer? Um, I want to follow you. And then, Lord, please teach me uh, what things I need to, to give up in my thinking and, and how you want me to live. And that's all it takes. Just come to the Lord on his terms, not your terms, his identity, not your identity. And, uh, and, and then you'll come to see what that verse really means, what that woman was quoting about, you know, neither slave nor free, male nor female, uh, Jew nor Gentile. You'll come to see that you're one in Christ. And it's about that, not what the world preaches. You know, not what the world preaches about identity, but it's about Christ. And he'll become number one in your life today, tomorrow, and forever. Well said. Dan Delzell, we thank you so much. We appreciate it. We look forward to further conversations. And for those of you listening, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend, and until next time, God bless.